Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Well, good morning. God is good. Come on now, tell me, is it really good? Thank you for that exhortation, Stella. Uh, where's Stella? See you're coming along, girl, I tell you. <laughs> I remember when you wouldn't say anything, you know, and you're going you to preach. Go head on, girl. It was really terrific. I'm serious. It's really terrific. And that song, Stella, uh, that's a, that was a great exhortation on that song, really, uh, because I, I listened to it a lot, and uh, that's... Uh, that's great. You should write them and tell them. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's really good, though, really. It's really good. Today, we are continuing with a series that we're doing, and the series uh, is called God's Heart. And Virgil taught on that last, uh, last week, and I introduced the, the, uh, the series week before last. And what I wanted to do was to make sure that... Uh, we continue with that, and we, we have um, Virgil's going to teach next Sunday and then the Sunday after that. Uh, Kaylee is going to teach, uh, and all of us dealing with God's heart. Why in the world would we teach on God's heart? Well, because we want to know God more. We want to know him better. Uh, we don't know everything about God and never will, uh, but we do know uh, a lot about him that we didn't know about him, and we thank God that, that we are able to read the scripture and able to see in, in each other uh, things that we say, oh, okay, that, that tells me a little bit more about God. Now, this week we're going to change up just a little bit. Um, let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 3. And it says, uh, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And that, that tells us pretty much uh, what it's all about. This series is knowing God better. And it says here, of course, that this is eternal life. And if it's in eternal life to know God and Jesus Christ, who's he, who, whom he has sent, well, it is paramount. It is uh, extremely important for us to Know God and to know him better all the time. To keep knowing him, to keep knowing him. We want to know more and more about him. And when we were speaking week before last, is when I was speaking, um, let's turn to Ephesians. Let's go there. I'll look on the screen to see Ephesians. Or you look, turn up, like um, trying to give a device there. Verse 1, verse 17, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And this was the Apostle Paul. He was praying for the church at Ephesus. And so not only do we hear what, what, what uh, Jesus is saying in, in, the, in the gospel of, of uh, John, but also what the Apostle Paul was saying 
in that he's praying for the churches that they will get to know him more. The revelation of the knowledge of of uh, of, of him. So we want to get to know him more in Psalm 19, verse one. It says the heavens are telling of the glory of God. And that's what we talked about uh, two weeks ago. We talked about the glory of God and how all of creation speaks of the glory of God. And my goodness gracious, uh, what a a um, message that came forth as far as all the scriptures are concerned in that we found out that it's so many, so many uh, things in this world that God has created, and all of them are different. They are different. And even human beings, of course, are different. Even if they are identical twins, they are different. So uh, that gave us a, a good introduction and backdrop to uh, the message, and I ended that message. Uh, let's look at Acts chapter 17. Let's look there, verse 26. It says, And he made from one man, how many nations? Every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. From one man. And, and that, we're going to begin this message where we ended on that scripture. We're going to try to go to school right there on, on that scripture. And uh, because that was what I had in my heart to do, didn't know whether God really wanted me to do that. And I tell you, it's, it's, it's really very touching to me, and I hope we will gain more knowledge of God as we uh, go through this message. How should this affect the way we live? How should knowing all the variety of things God created, how does it affect us to know that every human being is different? And he didn't create Chinese people, Korean and Asians and blacks and, and Native Americans and all that and, and put all these different things. He didn't create all, all of those variety of people. When he created Adam, he said, well, okay, Adam, uh, he's Jewish, so I got to have somebody Asian. So let me create somebody else. Let me be Asian. Okay, hmm, I need somebody else. Uh, Native American, that's what I need. He didn't do that. From one man, from one man, all nations came about. All nations. So it tells us more about God, that God wants a variety of people. He doesn't want everybody to be the same. He wants differences, differences, differences. And you say, well, um, well, you got a lot of Native Americans, and all of them classified as Native American, but all of them different. Every last one of them are different. So now, I want to know, God, how does that impact us? What can we learn from that? 
and especially in society because we live in this world and we have to uh, share the gospel in this world. We're not going to wait till we get to heaven and share the gospel. No need. It's here. How do we do that here? Knowing all this variety, because whenever man knows that there's a variety, he doesn't like that. Natural man does not like a variety of human beings. He wants everybody to be the same as he is. Unfortunately, that's what he wants. When you're in, in I, I taught elementary school, I taught junior high school, in particular junior high school, my first job, most people probably don't remember back when you were in, in, in junior high that you found something to pick at in everybody. Yeah. Look at that long nose. You got a long nose, you know. Look at your ears. Look at your ears. Boy, they, I mean, I had to constantly um, get on the, on, on the students when I was teaching junior high school. Stop. Talking about people. There's nothing wrong with their ears. That's, that's, the way, that's, that's the way their ears are. Oh, they got big ears. Yeah. And I learned teaching in Lincoln Junior High that they would pick at people unmercifully. Um, that was, you. you you all weren't, some of you were around during that time. And when, when Lincoln was, um, they had ninth graders at Lincoln. And we had a, a cheerleader, a, a white cheerleader. She happened to have uh, larger lips than some of the other whites. And they wouldn't sit around me where they thought I would hear them. But she told me, because she would be crying sometimes, they told me I had black lips. You know, and she, they didn't, she just said black. She said another word because that's how they are. They'll tell each other, you know, the N word, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you got N lips. And she would be crying, you know. And the girl couldn't do nothing about her lips. But that's what they would do. That's what they would do. They would pick up. We had we had uh, a young lady in our congregation uh, from Liberty. Uh, she's graduated and married. Uh, I don't know whether y'all remember uh, Carissa or not. And uh, had two, two friends, and she married uh, one of them. But um, anyway, she said they used to pick at her because she was not. Full of white. She was, uh, her mother was, um, I think, I don't know whether it was Japanese, uh, and I think they would pick, pick at her because they said she was a Jap. Because, you know, Bum and Pearl Harbor and all that kind of stuff. They, they would pick at her. Junior high kids would pick at people, but you know, you have the adults to do the same thing. Same thing. And we have to have some way of taking the gospel to 
the adults and kids that God wanted a variety. And so you should be fortunate that someone doesn't pick at you because you are funny looking yourself. (laughs) But how should this affect us knowing these things? Well, one thing, it should cause us to want to know him more if you're born again. And if you're not born again, it should cause us to want to know him. This God of such a variety, all these beautiful flowers, every, all these different animals and things like that, all the different birds. It should, we should think about that and say, well, hmm, man, I want to know this God that, that did all this. Another thing it should cause us to honor him and thank him. Let's look at it in Romans chapter 1. Let's, let's go there. Let's go to verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. Now, the them is speaking of the unsaved, not yet saved, because the wrath of God is not, uh, I guess, the godly ones who's born again. But he's talking about the unsaved here. But it says that, is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. So God has made it evident to everyone who's not saved yet. Made it evident who he is and about him. It says in verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature now have been clearly seen, being understood through what he is, what he's made. So that they are without excuse. So whether someone heard the gospel through him, human being, They saw the gospel in all that he's created. Because all creation speaks of the glory of God. And he says they're going to be, if God says, so they will be without excuse, they're going to be without excuse. For even though they knew God, now, 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 this is important now. It says that the unsaved, New God. They know God because 
all the things they've seen. They know God. He's put it in them to know him. And it says that even though they they knew God, they did not honor him and give thanks to him. But it came, you know, became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts was darkened. Now, that gives us confidence that nobody's going to leave here without hearing the gospel. Nobody's going to leave here and stand before God on that day and say, nobody told me. Nobody told me. I was, with, I was around Christian all the time. They didn't even tell me about it. They didn't tell me about you. I have an excuse, God. They didn't tell me. You need to let me in. No. No. Without excuse. That's what it says. Without excuse. So I said, okay. This is, this is good. Another thing that it should do, speaking of the first message two weeks ago, knowing about creation, another thing it should do is to cause us to give our lives to Jesus Christ if we're not saved. Because all the glory speaks in creation about God. Now, I want, want you to think a little bit. The scripture that I gave in Acts 17. Let's go back to that, Acts 17, because that's where we're going to dwell the rest of the day. Not on this point only, but the scripture, and not the scripture only, but this is the main thrust of the message. He made from one man... How many nations? So how about all these different types of people and all the different places they are from and all the different Icelands and uh, physiques and heights and wilts and, and all everything? How about that? Did he make that from one man? One man. So that means he wanted it to be so, didn't he? So that should cause us in the junior high kids that I was talking about, it should cause us and any junior high school kid, anybody, to look at each other differently. It should cause us to think about each other different. It should cause us to act differently towards each other. That's what it should cause. Because we know that he made everybody different, so why in the world are you going to make a difference why are you going to, if he, if he says, I want it this way, I did this, and I said it's good. So why are you going to call what I said is good, why are you going to call it bad? Just because they don't look like you or talk like you or dance like you. I was this morning looking over the notes and 
God gave me an example that leads into something that I want to discuss. Uh, Most of you might be from Lynchburg. Some of you are. Most of you might be. A lot are not. How many from Lynchburg here grew up in Lynchburg? Okay. A few. Well, it'll be good sometime to look at the history of Lynchburg, some of the things that took place in Lynchburg and things like that because you're living in Lynchburg. But in 1962, January the 29th, a milestone happened in Lynchburg. Um, I think I was in the I think I was about 14, probably, something like that. I was probably in the ninth grade, somewhere like that. Um, maybe around that time. In Lynchburg, Virginia, they had said earlier, before, that the city schools, uh, they, you can have a freedom of choice. Have anybody ever heard of freedom of choice? Some of you, okay. Freedom of choice was when I was in, in, in high school, that, that came into existence also. Um, I, was, I went to a high school called Booker T. Washington High School. And there was a Rocky Mount Senior High School that was in Rocky Mount. It was all white. And Booker T. Washington, of course, by the name, you know, it was all what? Black. Okay. And they said, you can, you, can, you can go to any school you want to because you have a freedom of choice. We have given you separate but equal education. But if you want to go to another school, it's up to you. And how many know uh, that, that uh, when somebody say that, Separate but equal. If you're old enough, you know that's a lie. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Because I, I used to play football in high school, and we used to get equipment. And the coach said, hey, we got some, got some new equipment. Man, that equipment wasn't new. That equipment was old. Uh, Rock Mountain Senior High School got new equipment, and we got their <laughs> the old equipment, you're right. It was different, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't there. Uh, it was not separate but equal. It was not that. Not that at all. And so they desegregated the schools. Uh, so these two people did on, on January 29, 1962, a young man by the name of Owen Cardwell, and he was 14 at the time, and a young lady by the name of Linda Woodrow, they decided they're going to go to glass. And I was reading about, um, he, he was at Brookville High School talking to, that, to, to some of the juniors and seniors about his, his experiences. Um, and he said it was about 
over his over 2,000 white kids at Glass, and it was two of them went there. And when doing the question and answer, they were asking, well, uh, uh, what, 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 did it get violent like we saw things on TV from some of these large cities and stuff? Things got kind of violent. Did y'all suffer any violence? He said, no, not, not the violence like you've seen on TV, uh, not that kind of violence, but we suffered emotional violence and psychological violence. Every day, relentless, without any let up, every day, we were ostracized, we were talked about, we were looked at. Um, I can't imagine, you know. Um, but he was saying they did that because they wanted to make way for other people for it to be easier because they didn't want they didn't want likes to be an egg glass. So I said, my goodness gracious, that is bad. And when he was talking to the kids at Brookville High School, he was saying, you need to get involved and change your community. He was an activist. Uh, this, this is the way God made him. He he wouldn't sit around and let let things just go as they they would be. And I said, "Wow, I don't think I have the courage to do that. You know, not in face that type of criticism and action every single day for four years. I, w- I don't think I'll do that." And now, it should not be that way because we should not be looked at different, act towards different, just because we are different, because God made us different. It shouldn't be that way. And that's what's going on and been going on in society for years for years and we have to have a way to share about Jesus in this society and so as I talk a little bit about these things um, I don't like to do that because it just uh, stirs things that I don't like to feel, you know. Uh, it's just one of those things. Uh, because I know how I was treated, uh, even in, in modern times, because I came here after college and was teaching at Lincoln, and I was told some not so good things by people. Uh, and one man told me, he said, he said well, that, that's why you, y'all are not accepted. And it, it was after a game that 
the JV team asked me to be an official because the one official didn't show up. And since I was in physical education and whatnot, uh, they figured it, you know, I could do a decent job. And uh, it's, it's a hard job officiating. You need to know what you're doing. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew, I knew basketball, but not, not like that. And, and for him to tell me that, now, he was a parent of one of the, one of the varsity players. And that hurt. That really hurt because he's saying, that's why you all are not accepted. Because, see, Dunbar, they were playing Dunbar in uh, junior high. And, of course, Dunbar junior high is all black. And so Dunbar won, and they were really, really, really upset with me because I should have helped Lincoln. <laughs> but I can't help anybody, you know. Uh, I remember times when uh, the, I was told, well, if you want whites to come see your games, this is when I was at Glass, you're going to have to have some whites who, who start on your team. And I remember one time I, 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 uh, I kept a ninth grader on the team, on the varsity, because we had a ninth, uh, you know, a, a junior high team. The ninth graders usually play on it. And, but he, he, he was really good. Uh, Sean West, he, he was um, really, really nice, nice young man, but he could really shoot the ball. And we, we played um, Heritage. And you know, if, you, if Glass going to play Heritage, it's going to be something. It's going to be the gym going to be full, and it's going to be, you know, people going to be all over the place, and everybody want their team to win. And Heritage, I had a, a excellent player, and they they packed the defense against him and played a zone when they usually play man to man. And so I took one of my starters out, who happened to be white, and put in in Sean because they were leaving open for somebody to shoot as far as it is from you to me. And they said, I dare you to shoot, because they know we didn't have uh, people who could shoot from outside from on, on, on the regular starting team because we got the ball inside to this great player. Uh, and I put in Sean, and Sean missed the first shot, and, and he looked at me. I said, and so he kept shooting, and he didn't miss any more. And so they came out of the zone and played man-to-man, and we were able to play like we wanted to, and we won. But the, but the, but the point is, the man came up to me. I'm, I'm going to tell you who was. He came up to me. It was an administrator, my administrator, my administrator now. He came up to me, and he said, well, why did you take this person out? He called his name. I put in somebody who could take advantage of him. You shouldn't have taken him out. You shouldn't have left him in. You took out the only white person you had on the star liner. Oh, my God. This is after the game. Right on the floor. And we won. I had one of the administrators tell me, look, 
you need some white starters. You do what you need to do to get white starters. They wanted me to, to like, set a black person down that can play and play a white person that couldn't play as well just because of prejudice. See, people didn't know that, but see, I knew it because I didn't tell my players that, uh, because um, they'll tell me anything, you know. Some folks be a good old boy. they tell me anything. Uh, they don't care what hurt, hurt my feelings. And I'm saying that this stuff still exists in society today. So when you see something on TV and uh, it might say, Black Lives Matter, when I first heard that, the first thing I said, this is about last year or so, um, first thing I said is, all lives matter. That's the first thing that came out of my mouth. And then another thing I said is that, wait a minute, you're talking about black lives matter and all this black on black crime in these cities, you're talking about what, do they matter? Did it, did it matter then? But see, God showed me, hey, hey, that, you know, keep your mouth closed because you don't understand what's going on. And so, and I'm sure uh, you've heard that fa- phrase before. Is that correct? Okay, you've heard the phrase before. Now, and, and, and it's all good possibility that most of you said something. Also, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is that I'm trying to share with you what God was sharing with me about the situation like that. Um, so I said, okay, God, how do I respond in this way and to these things that are happening in our society? Because we're supposed to be witnessing to these people, you know, and... And so I said, okay. So this year I have said nothing. Uh, people say something to me about it, but I've said nothing because I haven't heard from God what he wanted me to say. So I'm trying to learn God better. That's what I'm trying to do, learn God better. Now, so another thing all this variety of things supposed to do is it's supposed to change the way we look at each other, the way we respond to each other, is supposed to do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Is that right? He's a new creation. And old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. Is that correct? That's correct. Um. It's important for us to know what the Word of God says. John 17, it tells us, in verse 16, it tells us that this whole section is 16 through 19. It tells us how we're supposed to respond. Let's look at that. The Gospel of John 17, we were there one time, but not in this verse. 
verse 16. It says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, we know that in John 17, that's one of the longest recorded prayers of Jesus, um, that he was saying something. And, and so we know that he prayed, maybe I'll, in the garden of Gethsemane, things like that. But, but, but here is, the, is some of the things that, that was said in, in this. And God was sharing that to me is that you are not of this world, will it tell? You have been born again. All things are new. And all things of God, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. So now, you can't respond like the world responds. Because you are not of this world. You're like an alien. And you know, if you watched these programs, science programs before, fictitious thing. The man on Mars, and they come, they come, and you know they think our life is different from theirs. Well, ours is supposed to be different. How can we be different then and still live in the world when we know we're not from the world? How can we do that? It says, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, it says, We have come to know and to believe that the love which God has for us, God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him by this Love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. So God is telling us, church, how we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world because we are seated with, in heavenly places with Christ Jesus so we are not of the world, but we are in the world. So he said, while you are in the world, then as I am, that's what I want you to be. I want you to be that way. Or I said, okay, God. Thank you. You're helping me now. You're helping me, God. How to, how to respond. And I really didn't want to teach this. I really didn't. Because, like I said, it's not an easy thing because see, if you had an all-black congregation, you could say things like, they used to tell us when I was in Booker T, they said, boy, if you don't do your homework, if you don't study, boy, you're going to be pushing a broom when you graduate. Now, of course, she, she was saying that because she knew that and she's, they've told us before, look, let me tell you something. You're going to have to be twice as good as whites when you get out in the, out in the world, in the workplace. Our teachers used to tell us that. See, it was all black school, 
all black teachers. So they can tell us stuff like that, you see. But I didn't know it was true. I really didn't. Really didn't. It's, it's very interesting. And I know you all have not, uh, you know, encountered anything like that. But God wanted me to share some things because some of you have been alive long enough. Like Miss Harlow, uh, like your mother, Sam, uh, some of you have been here. You're older than I am. And you, and most of you know anyway, people are treated differently according to their color a lot of times. They're treated differently. And I've heard blacks uh, say bad things about whites. So it's not just prejudice on whites' part towards blacks. It's prejudice on blacks' part against whites also. We just live in a prejudiced society. Now, before, back when you were growing up, Hollow, and I was going, they didn't care what they said, and whether you heard it or not, they didn't care. But now, it's not political correct to say things out loud, but it's still in the heart, still in the heart. And I don't want it to be that way for the church of the living God. Don't want it to be that way. So what are you calling us to do, God? Let's look at Michael. Michael, Michael chapter 6. Let's go there. Verse 8. Michael says, He has... He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? And he tells him three things. But to do justice or justly, depending on what verse you read from, to love, kindness, mercy is kindness, love and kindness. And to walk humbly with your God. That's what, my, that's what Michael says. That's what Michael says. And so that's how I want to end things because that's what God is calling us to do. Be just, Willie. The congregation, you got to be just. You can't, you can't be unjust. And see, that's what happens with sometimes uh, in, in the statement, Black Lives Matter. Uh, I was listening to this uh, person, and they said, well, they don't mean that black lives are the only lives that matter. They mean that black lives matter also. Um, yes, there's crime in the black neighborhoods. Yes, we know that uh, without a doubt. But who do you call when you're trying to uh, take care of crime? Because uh, most of us live in nice neighborhoods, nice houses and things. Uh, but I coach people uh, when I was coaching uh, from the projects, from uh, different places in the city. 
that they didn't have the opportunity. They really didn't. Didn't have the opportunity to get out of that neighborhood. And then that neighborhood had crime and drugs and things like that. Uh, uh, some of these kids, they just come to school mad because the, the parents curse at them, slap them and stuff like that. So they, they, they come to school, and, and when somebody says something to them, well, they're ready to fight because they're just mad anyway because of the way they're treated at home. And so for the police to do what is done in the neighborhoods, kill and things like that, then that's doubly bad because they look to the police to help. And and if they know that, well, you are helping other people, depending on the skin color and things, uh, we go to court and, and it's, uh, we get get in jail for the same thing. My friend, he, he's white and he, he didn't go to jail for the same thing he did. That's not right. So God says, the church is supposed to be like me, just. I'm a God of justice. And we're supposed to be kind and merciful, and, and, and we, we're supposed to be just like Jesus. And so sometimes, sometimes you have to be uh, compassionate to people who maybe do things that they shouldn't do. We don't, you know, say, well, well, you know, they they um, they burned the store that you know they got mad and burned the store. That's not right. No, it's not right. It's not right. But let's don't condemn the whole issue just because somebody's doing something wrong within that movement. Have compassion. Have compassion. And what are we to do, church? We know that we're to show mercy. We know we're supposed to be just. We know we're supposed to walk humbly with our God. Another thing he said that I want the church, this is the second thing out of four, I want the church to love one another fervently. Fervently, not just love one another, but fervently. First Peter, let's look there. First Peter. Um, chapter one. Let's, let's go there. And verse 22. It says, since you have, in obedience to the truth now, purified your souls for a sincere, sincere now, sincere love of the brother. We're supposed to purify our souls in a sincere love of the brother. It says, fervently love one another. From the heart. Because you've been born again, it says. You've been born again. 
our love supposed to be fervent towards each other. Fervent. And so we have to change our heart because God looks at the heart. So we know it's supposed to, Michael, chapter 6, verse 9, we know it's supposed to be just, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We're supposed to love one another fervently from the heart. And third thing is to keep, the third out of four, is to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Now, that means that I can't be like the world. I'm in the world, but I can't be like the world. I can't be spotted by just because I sympathize with, the, with what's going on. I understand where you're coming from. But I can't join in and act like I am from the world. I'm in it, but I'm I'm from heaven. I've been born again. My life is here with God, with Christ in God. And he's seated in heavenly places. So I know that I can't be just like the world. I can't talk like the world. I got to talk like an alien because I'm from heaven. So I got to talk like God. I got to say what God says. You see? And the last thing he said what he wanted us to do is don't think you are something when you are nothing. I know you didn't hear it. You don't think that's right, did he? Let's look at Galatians chapter 6. Let's let's end there. Galatians 6, 2 and 3. It says, Bear one another's burden. Now, some people can't help it. They live in a private. Some people can't help it uh, because this is, they don't have a father at home. Their mother works at night and and they're just out there. The kids, uh, like I was talking to my brother, he's Seven, six years older than I am, uh, in, in, in Rocky Mountain, they, they only had one elementary school for blacks. And so all over Rocky Mountain, the first graders, second graders, third, all the way through junior high school, had to walk to school. We didn't have a school bus. Had to walk to school. And so some people can't help it, so you just, uh, it's a bear one another's burden. And thereby fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love. Love. In verse 3 it says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing. I'm reading the scripture now. (laughs) He deceives himself. And, And Amplified says, For if anyone thinks he is something special when, in fact, he is nothing special except in his own eyes, he deceives himself. Now, it calls in this message, it calls for us to, number one, okay, let's be like God. Yes, he is, so are we. 
We're not going to be like the world. And it's going to cause me to just think different before you open your mouth because if you're not saying what God says, it might not be good to say anything. And also, it causes us to, if you're not born again, you need to be born again because there's no way, no way we're going to do this without God. No way. We can't love like God without God. And so we need to give our lives to Jesus Christ because, see, I know all you are born again in here today, uh, I hope. But those who are listening to me uh, over the Internet or YouTube or wherever, all of them are not born again. And so if you're hearing the message, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's what you need to do in order to comply with him. Because on that day, you're going to be judged by the word of God. And nobody wants to be in the lake of fire and brimstone on that day and not be in the presence of the the Lord. Just because we want to. Uh, participate in the activities and festivities in our community and in the world and want to talk about things that uh, is not right regardless of whether you're sympathetic towards it or not. Need be born again. And that's a matter of giving your heart to Jesus Christ. That's all you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I believe that you died for my sins. And I believe that you are who you said you are. And you were raised from the dead for my justification. And I give my life to you. It's that simple. And I want to close with our numbers blessing. And I hope, really, especially for the young people in here, I hope that that this message, I hope it changes you. I hope it causes you to get in the Word of God and 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 uh, really be like He is. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia, at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.